Welcome to the Principles of Performance podcast, where we discuss how to optimize your health, fitness, and performance. Drawing on decades of experience of working as coaches, consultants, and trainers to top performers, athletes, and teens from professional sports to top universities to the U.S. military, Eric Degatti and Mike Perry discuss topics and strategies of how to perform at your highest level and be your very best. Join us and our friends and colleagues who are leaders in the fitness and performance industry as we investigate and challenge the most popular training, nutrition, lifestyle, and recovery protocols. And away we go. Here we are with episode 40, believe it or not, of the Principles of Performance podcast. I'm your host, Eric Degatti, along with my co-host and friend, Mike Perry. Mike, welcome to episode 40. Can you believe it? We're, I can't believe we're at that. Maybe we miscounted. I think we were probably at like 27. No, just kidding. No, 40 episodes. We've had some amazing guests and uh, we got another good one today, man. So, so Mike, I don't, I don't know how you are um, as far as like referring you know, people, if they're looking for training and, and you just can't happen to handle it, but I'm like super, super picky. And there's only a really short list of people here in the New Jersey area that I kind of trust. And, and this guy is definitely high on that list. So uh, we got Mike Wadango with us today. And so he's got a real cool backstory um, and, and even more interesting thoughts on training. So I can't wait to dive into it. So uh, Mike was a great college baseball player at the William Patterson University, where all the greatest minds went. Mike, I think, was many years after me since I'm significantly older, but uh, he, he got multiple All-American honors there and set numerous school records and then decided he wanted to get into this whole training thing um, and went full time after he graduated. And, and along the way, uh, was able to study under some really cool people like Buddy Morris with the Cardinals and James Smith and kind of changed his approach to training and, and went on to become the director of a sports performance at, at a world renowned facility where he started training uh, pros and college and high school athletes. And he's never stopped. He, he now has a place that's not far from me, freak strength. Um, and so he's a, a coach, he's a writer, he's, a, he's, uh, works with, you know, athletes from every major sport you can think of. And he's got, you know, quite an impressive, uh, guest list. And, but, you know, personally for me being a, a fellow pioneer, a fellow Italian from Northern New Jersey, what I appreciate Mike, maybe most of all is that he appreciates a great antipasto. Um, and so I want to welcome, uh, an old friend, Mike Wadango to the show, Mike, welcome. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. And I, I got to say, I, uh, so I, I have a podcast as well. Um, we haven't done an episode in about a year, but we have about 85 episodes and the, uh, the amount of effort that you put into this is super impressive. I, uh, you know, the emails, the, the correspondence with everything, bro, I'm, I'm a total slap when it comes to this stuff. And we, we do, we do a lot of just like winging it and just having conversations with guys that the structure you had, the effort you put in, you sent me a PDF with a link and another thing with a link, making sure I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like it was it was really, I, and I, all the research that you did behind it, I'm, I'm flattered. I, I, I really am. And it's what you did is awesome. This is, this is great. I'm, I'm really pumped to be on this. Well, we're only two minutes in, so don't give us too much credit yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, well, first of all, I will say Eric is, is, uh, you know, he's, he's pretty organized. So, you know, you know, props to Eric, you are the guy that kind of makes this stuff happen. Um, he's way more organized than I am. So, um, 
Thank you, Eric. And uh, yeah, so anyways, look, um, you know, as we kind of go through this podcast, you've had the opportunity to learn from, again, Buddy Morris, James Smith, DeFranco. Obviously, they taught you a lot because those are some big names. And clearly by, you know, what you've done, you've learned a lot. But how did they influence you on how you looked at and viewed and thought about training? Oh, that's that's big. So uh, first off, am I allowed to curse? Sure. We yeah, okay okay so first off when i left pit uh from buddy i called everyone motherfucker um <laughs> listen here motherfucker like that was that was everything so i mean he, he influenced my speech right away um but you know with with defranco it was it was incredible to be trained by him and then to coach alongside him and then to to help run his facility to be essentially the main the main trainer there for a while i mean the things that i learned from him joe never lost clients uh his his ability to pay attention to sets and reps and count every little bit and record information uh to look the part to act the part you know it was i mean the man the man showed up he was hyper focused on the client in front of him it was it was very very impressive and his ability to i i guess present the information in a clear confident way that people genuinely believed they were getting better um whether they were or not is irrelevant it's because they thought they were so they did you know what the, there there's a lot of people a lot of people that'll, that'll, you know, poo poo max effort work, you know, like it's even, you know, the West side, Joe had popularized, popularized West side. And I mean, I'm a product of it. I'm riddled with injuries, but shit, I got strong. I got fast. I got explosive. Um, and I, there was no other way for me to train personally. So coming from that, I, I, I felt invincible, you know, and, and, and the way Joe, and even as I was coming up, the difference between Joe's clients and my clients, his clients felt invincible. I, I I noticed that earlier on. I'm like, man, what does this guy do different? You know, and and it's the confidence that he brought to to each session. Um, just knowing, like, no, no, what I'm doing is working, or what I'm doing is genuinely going to help you. It was it was very very impressive. Uh, so so to learn something from to pick that up from him was awesome. Buddy Morris, who slept on Louis Simmons's couch for like I don't know a month. Um, when, when he was going through, through his divorce, he, uh, he knows West side as good as anyone. And the first day I met him was, you know, I was sitting down in his office and I was talking to James Smith and he walks in the office. He goes, you're DeFranco's guy, right? I said, yeah. He goes, you do too much fucking max effort work. And he walked out. So I was like, oh shit. So like, it's, you know, like I, I pissed the guy off already. I, I don't, I don't even know him. And, you know, he, buddy, buddy was like a God to me. And what I had learned from Buddy was no detail was too small. Uh, I, I watched, I watched a guy bench press. Um, Buddy had the lineman James James the Thinker Smith had. Uh, he had the skill guys when they were at Pitt, and one of the guys, one of the linemen's elbow just kind of wobbled in and out, you know, minimal. Buddy says off the bench, we're doing cuff work, and that was that. Like it didn't matter. He sit there and he'd identify whatever the issue was, and he was hyper focused on making sure that guy's cuff was functioning properly. Was it was, was it from the serratus? Was it from the hyperactive trap? Was it from this that? What it, it didn't matter. Like he had to figure out what the issue was, and he addressed it with 
with I, the most attention to detail. Um, and then with James, James didn't sweat the small stuff. Uh, Buddy was your, you know, Louis Simmons is like a, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And James Smith, he was, you trained to your strengths. So it was, if you have a strong guy, make them stronger. If you have a fast guy, make them faster. And you don't worry about their limiting factor because their strongest aspect, their, their strongest characteristic is going to overpower everything anyway. So just train that strength. So, I mean, those those three guys had influenced me. I mean, DeFranco early on. And then James, I tell people DeFranco's was like my undergraduate in strength conditioning. James and and Buddy were like my master's PhD in strength conditioning. Like the, and, and the order that I got that education in was paramount as well, because if I had gotten James before Joe or Buddy before Joe, it, it, it I wouldn't have appreciated either one nearly as much. So it was uh, having them, having those three was, uh, I, I'm, I'm a product of my environment. You know, any success that I have can absolutely, has to absolutely go back to my experience with those guys. That's, that's very cool to have that, that opportunity. Now, um, one of the things you, you dropped in there is about looking the part. And so a lot of our industry looks like they're off an assembly line of, you know, just guys with crop tops and goatees and, and sleeveless shirts. And, and you kind of always stepped outside of that norm. And I always appreciated you. And, and so, you know, to, to walk in and Mike's there with the long hair and the beard and, the, and, and no shoes on. And it's like, you know, where's this guy coming from? And I always appreciated that. So kind of how did you cultivate that and make that your own thing? <laughs> so I got, I got to be honest with you. Um, I'm really lazy. <laughs> I'm I'm really lazy. I uh, and that's and not not insanely lazy, but I I saw years ago I had seen Steve Jobs give a talk on he always wearing like a black shirt and jeans, right? Like why do I always wear a black shirt and jeans? And it's, well, I'm not gonna waste time picking out an outfit. Cause I just don't like, it's, it's just, if I spend five minutes a day times 365, like what, what am I doing worrying about this shit? Like I got bigger fish to fry. So just keep it simple. I hate going to get my hair cut. I used to cut my own hair when I was younger because I just hated just wasting time going, going to the barber. I mean, to be honest with you, I only go to church during the week because I hate I, I want to say wasting time. I hate spending all the time at an hour and a half long mass when I could do the same thing in, in in 30 minutes. So I don't like spending time just for the sake of spending time doing stuff. If I could just grow my hair out and wear, wear a freak strength shirt and not have to worry about buying shoes and I, I, I'll do it. The barefoot thing, like I had a ton of hip pain, knee pain, back pain, my, my whole career. And I had read somewhere years ago that, hey, if you're barefoot more, it's going to go down. So I stopped wearing shoes and now I'm that weird guy that walks barefoot, even in Hoboken, you know? So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It wasn't, it's not like intentional. I think it's, and I, the only reason I trimmed my beard is because my daughter, my beard was like down to here and my daughter just kept pulling on it one night while I was trying to put her. <laughs> so it's just a distraction. So I just took like a number seven and just buzzed it. I mean, if you look, dude, like I'm like a caveman. My neck connects to my beard. Like it's my, my dad looked at me and goes, you look disgusting. You need to do something about this. <laughs> and I, I just, I couldn't be bothered. I, I, I couldn't care less, uh, I, which again, looking the part, good thing I have a decent product. Otherwise I'd scare people away. Well, you know, there, there is that level of like, 
you know, imposter syndrome in our industry. And there's a huge level of like insecurity in our industry. And I think that's why, like, if you want to waste, you know, an hour of your day, spend five minutes going on Twitter and just listen to assholes argue about nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have someone who just doesn't, clearly doesn't give a shit is, is so refreshing. Um, <laughs> and so I, I love it. Um, the, the other thing that I thought was always cool is that you, you, you also study acupuncture and you, and you kind of talk about a little bit of Eastern medicine and, and, you know, I know that doesn't always match up with what we teach in, in Western strength and conditioning, but then sometimes it does. I know Charles Poliquin, who I did two levels of his internship, talks a little bit about the interactions of those things. So tell me how those two worlds kind of melt. So this is, this is philosophy, obviously. Um, and I, I had started stepping outside the box of strength conditioning, where for years I refused to read anything strength conditioning because I thought I wasn't learning anything uh, in it. Because I I said, all right, uh, before I start acupuncture school, I said, all right, I wanna start learning other things so I can take those analogies and apply them to what I'm doing. So the more things you learn, you ever read the book Range? Love it, one of my Uh, favorite books. Yeah, and, and this was before I even read that book, but I wanted to become pretty average in a lot of different disciplines uh, rather than just becoming hyper because, you know, the, the, the smaller the scope, the smaller the lens, like you, you can't see the forest from the tree sort, sort of thing. So I wanted to take a different approach and, and learn more stuff and really see if it changed my perspective on training. And it did. And then I came across a, um, a book. Do, do you know uh, who Ray Dalio is? Yeah. Absolutely. So, principles. Principles. So what is what is the all-weather portfolio? It's a, ver- it's a vertically integrated portfolio. Oh, wow. Charlie Francis, vertical integration. Shocker. You train multiple facets simultaneously. Like that. this is, so you're supposed to diversify your portfolio. And this is, this comes for the least amount of injuries to your portfolio. Okay. So maybe it, it's funny. That's how I feel about our training systems as well. Um, so then diving into further, I said, all right, well, if I'm not, you know, from learning all these different things, cool. I think it's time for me to zoom back into different ways for me to help improve my ability as a coach specifically. And I thought body work was it. Um, and I, I've always been fascinated by body work and I, I've always had a much different view on body work than most people. Uh, I, I look at it, I, I look at it from a pressure standpoint, not from a modality standpoint. Um, like there, there are some people that think cupping doesn't work and I, cool. Like if you don't think it works, like, and you know, come take your daily placebo of cupping or your weekly placebo of cupping treatment. Like, all right, cool. Like that's what, but then they'll go ahead and they'll say, they'll say massage works. And I just think they're idiots because it's just pressure. One's positive pressure, one's negative pressure. So to it's my my thought process on body work is I, I I just think a little bit different. So I I wanted to learn more about acupuncture because I had heard a couple of certifications regarding certain body work things that were very contradictory in what they said. They said oh one thing was lymphatic, but then it was neurological, and then it was musculoskeletal, and then it was this, and then it was but it was also fascial. And I didn't understand it. I was like all right, well where can I learn more fascia stuff? And that was the acupuncture. So I dove into the acupuncture um, and I started going, 
this is a really long-winded answer to your question, but I started understanding even more so of what I had done earlier with the thinking outside the box and 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 learning about things that didn't have anything to do with it to apply to that thing. Does that make sense to you right now? Like, am, am I making sense or am I, I speaking gibberish? No, a hundred percent. And and I actually, that's where I've found some of my best thought processes or books that have nothing to do with training. And then you read them and it's like, holy shit, this is everything to do with training. Like Dan Heath upstream um, and learning about how do I find root causes of things? And the book starts out with the, you know, the story of these two guys who see these kids coming down a river and they jump in to save them. And then there's more kids coming down the river and they're, they, and finally they, they, the one guy gets out of the river. And he's like, and he's like, where are you going? There's still kids coming. He's like, I'm going to go up to the top of the river and find out who keeps throwing these kids in the river. Right. As opposed to just saving them as they come. So <laughs> like that type of mentality, that's really what I'm looking at with a lot of things is all right great, you have a tight this or weak this, but like, what's the reason for that? Like, there's got to be a reason somewhere. And, and so that type of thinking, so I'm totally on, on, on parallel with you. Yeah, I, I wanted to add one thing, because I, you know, I find this really interesting, because I've, we've, we've talked with a lot of coaches, and there seems to be this sort of pattern or rhythm where, you know, we, we go and we get enamored with, you know, periodization, and we, you know, we, we read all the, the sports science stuff, but we get to a certain point where we're like, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels and we go and we do a bunch of other stuff to get better at the stuff we originally thought we were getting better at. And then we can go back and apply it. And then you get better. So like, for example, um, I, you know, I've been the same way to, I read everything that you could think about as far as, you know, like muscle imbalances, all that other stuff, periodization. And then through sort of my own sort of journey as well, I started uh, doing counseling and therapy. And then I started digging into you know, reading body language and understanding how the mind works and, you know, why people make decisions. And I'm like, that stuff has made me a far better coach than trying to determine what is the appropriate foot contacts for plyos with my collegiate athletes. Yeah. So, so it's like the 80, 20 rule, 20% of the effort gives you 80% of the results. Right. And with, with team sport athletes, I'm not going to worry about what the big toe extension is going to be like, because they have so many bigger fucking fish to fry than than that like you know it's it's like pick the biggest thing to address that so for me to dive really really deep down the speed training hole it, it didn't do it so with the the east the east asian medicine um the far east asian medicine i think that's what it's called now um there's there's concepts there's theories like the, it's yin and yang right left and right up and down everything's relative right yin is only relative or yin is only in in relation to yang um these these are concepts that apply universally so just understanding that helped me with my body work and helped me with my training so so much where you have a guy with patellar tendonitis uh, when i was younger six inches above six inches below, three to six inches above three to six inches below that's usually the you know one of the causes of it is that the root or is that the branch right so is that upstream or is that right here? Um, so it, finding these ways to address it, could it be the quad? Could it be the tib ant? In acupuncture, you could look at the quad, you could look at the tib ant, but you could also look, if that's the yin organ, you could look at the yang organ, which would be, so if, I don't know, that's the stomach channel, let's say. Then I would look at the yin aspect, which would be the spleen. And I could find somewhere on that fascia, on that fascial line, 
or the the acupuncture channel that could potentially treat the patellar tendonitis without even touching the quad or without even touching the tibialis anterior something completely opposite or again a yin and yang relationship think anterior posterior so you have anterior knee pain well maybe the anterior aspect of the muscle is or the anterior muscle is compensating for lack of posterior strength posterior stability whatever posterior flexibility well let's look front and back so you can look up and down you can look front front and back and acupuncture uh just basic fundamental theory helped even open that door which saved me hours hours and hours and hours of body work so applying what i know to strength training uh, it's it's made my my approach to strength conditioning or strength training or, or speed training so much more simplistic uh it's you know charlie charlie francis had a quote it's not the program that gets the 40 yard dash you know the lowest time in six weeks that works because on week seven he pulls a hamstring and then he's rehabbing for another six weeks then it takes another six weeks just to get back to where it was right it's the guy that gets injured the least that wins that wins the race long term and again that goes back to ray dalio principles you know, the person who loses money, the least amount of money makes the most money in the end because the, you know, the compounding interest takes impact when, when you're not losing any money. That's, that's when it's the most effective. So by doing this and keeping my approach super, super simplistic, and I, I literally just had a tweet where I, I, I said to one of my buddies, it's very difficult to burn something in a slow cooker. You know, I'd, I'd rather, I'd, I'm much more comfortable slow cooking stuff, which is very, very contrary to how I was brought up as an athlete, which is a lot of max effort work, you know? So I, I mean, if, if I were to meet me 10 years ago, I would have called me a pussy, you know, it's, it's, but things, things change. So the, the acupuncture made me even more, uh, even more conservative than I already was. And, and again, like that's, between my look, how I speak, you know, what, what, and and how I train, talk about contrary to the industry. Now, one of the things bouncing in my head before I pass it to you, because you have a good one coming up, Mike, but um, is when you're talking about this yin and yang and talking about zooming out, right? And one of the biggest like aha things that I've had over the last couple of years talking about it is this kind of balance of, of sympathetic and parasympathetic and realizing all we are doing is kind of playing that that those notes up and down with our clients and really getting the right amount of sympathetic stress so they actually become more resilient while not while also recognizing that this person is already redlining and I need to pull back and know when to pump the brakes. So how much of that uh, from the Eastern thought process are you allowed to carry over in, in terms of managing that type of stuff? So we don't really talk about much, many things like that. Um, I guess it would be, uh, I guess, I guess something like that would be more, um, pathologies of different organs, right? So do you, do you know, um, the elements, right? So you have metal, water, wood, uh, fire and earth, right? And each one, if, if you have one pathology that's overacting on another, it, it can, so it, if you're irritable or you're really pissed off, that's more of a wood pathology. If you're really sad, that's like metal or war, uh, depressed is like, or fear-based is, is water. Um, ruminating thoughts is earth. So we, when we deal 
with those those are uh when we deal with those types of emotions or or the parasympathetic state sympathetic state we they don't look at it like that we just think things in more balanced balanced aspects so if something is out of sync then it's our job to figure out which element to tonify and i i don't necessarily do that type of energy healing uh that's i'm more orthopedic however it's not something that i disregard so if i know someone's really really pissed off right there's there's certain accu buttons i essentially compress from a conversational standpoint um but for sympathetic parasympathetic i have a different view again not necessarily because of acupuncture but during that time it's not black and white it's not on and off uh, just like the energy systems, we're constantly balancing. It's a balancing act throughout, right? Like the higher your heart rate goes, the more inclined you are to utilize glucose as a source of energy, the lower your heart rate, more inclined you are to utilize fat and oxygen. So there are times where you want the sympathetic state to right, right before a lift, like you want to inhale, exhale through the mouth. You don't want to be parasympathetic because you kind of want to be pissed off. You want you want to secrete the adrenaline. You want more hormones to be in your favor so you could get that lift and be a little bit more emotional occasionally, and then like maybe calm down. Um, but as far from an Eastern standpoint, no, nothing nothing really sticks out for me as as how they go about approaching that. Hey everybody, a quick break in the action here. Hope you're enjoying the show and we appreciate you listening. We're working hard to bring you the highest quality content and best guests every single week. So if you could do us a big favor and go and like and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, it would be greatly appreciated. Be sure to listen at the end of the show also to find out where you can find out more information about our courses, as well as a special discount code for all our listeners. Thanks again, and let's get back to the show. And, but it, it all seems like it does go down to sort of the idea of balance. And, um, you know, regardless of how you look at it, Eastern, Western, it's all about trying to find that balance, because if you're swayed in too far left or too far right, um, then obviously things are going to be out of whack. But let's uh, let's kind of change gears a little bit. Um, I know you incorporate a lot of heat and cold exposure into your own daily routine. Um, what protocols have you found to be beneficial and practical? So that's a big depends. Um, I love heat. I love cold, you know, when, when the soup fits, right? So what I've noticed, uh, personally from a health standpoint, cold immersion in the morning seems to be optimal for me. Um, if I, if I do a 60 second, 120 second cold plunge in the morning, then go outside and ground for you know five ten minutes without drying off uh that that juices me up in the morning i feel good um it, and and i get a lot of benefits from that personal benefits whether it's you know a clearer thought um better blood flow better energy um with the heat if i do heat earlier in the day i'm exhausted so i do heat at night and so it, what's interesting is the, the sauna has shown, not for testosterone, it's shown, it's shown for growth hormone. And I mean, when do you produce growth hormone? When you sleep. So if you're to do sauna prior to bed, that'd probably be your best bet is doing it later at night. You know, make sure obviously you're cleaning, you're not overheated before bed. But 
I think sauna at night seems to work real well for me. As long as, now here's the other thing, heat uh, causes anxiety uh, from an acupuncture standpoint, excess heat, right? So, um, but even I've noticed personally, when I, I find myself when I'm overheated, I get anxious. And there's three things you can do to get rid of that type of anxiety. One is cool down. Uh, two is take a shit. And three is figure out a way. Yeah, that's like traditional purge, right? Shit or puke. And that gets rid of all the, the heat heat uh, pathologies. Um, and three, like, you know, get in your own headspace and, and try to like calm yourself down. You control your physiological symptoms. You can control your psychological symptoms a little bit better. It makes it a little bit easier to, to control that. So if your heart rate goes down, then it makes it that much easier to be frontal dominant rather than um, uh, limbic system, right? So trying to be as possible will will help manage those symptoms. But again, if the physiology is off, it just makes it that much more, more difficult. So I, for me personally, uh, if you're going to do a daily routine, I would do cold in the morning, heat at night. However, I do also recovery days, big recovery days with a bunch of my guys where sometimes we'll go to this place called, uh, it, it's a Russian bathhouse. And they have the hottest saunas you'll ever have and some of the coldest cold plungers you'll ever go in. And the saunas are like 250 degrees. I swear one of them might have been two, 275 at one point. It was it was insane. I thought it was going to be, I felt my hair like burning. And we do hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. And we do hot as long as we possibly can take it and cold as long as we could possibly take it. Hot as, and we do, They. Uh, I was talking to one of the guys in there and they called them innings. You want to have a nine inning game. So we do nine rounds of that shit. Eat a ton of food and sleep like babies right now for as far as a, a legitimate science-based protocol is that it i know but i love that and i feel good after after that and when i had really really bad anxiety and stress uh during a period of time that was and and like that caused like me to be depressed and stuff like that was huge that that helped me a ton for for stress relief uh so that's anecdotal um from a training standpoint, I don't always recommend cold post-workout. Uh, it's, you know, I post-workout, I'd, I'd be more inclined to have my guys hop in the sauna and hit a bike. Uh, the, the inflammation is good for, you know, as of now, from what I've read, the inflammation seems to be good for recovery. You know, you want that inflammation to to help the healing process by reducing the inflammation post workout. You're just delaying the healing process. It's no, I don't want to say it's no different, uh, but it's environmental hormesis versus chemical hormesis, right? Like, uh, it, um, you're you're taking taking Advil or, or ibuprofen, right, post workout to reduce the inflammation. Like, that's not really good for healing. So, pre workout, uh, I I think there was a study that came out uh, suggesting that taking a cold plunge pre-workout and then forcing yourself to heat back up rapidly was good for a testosterone response, increase in testosterone. So mixing and matching and see what works best during the right time uh, is, is, you know, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So I, I love, there, there's almost nothing that I don't think is useful. Uh, it just needs to be implemented at the right time. Love it. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's kind of the art of it. Right. And, and so like, I, I thought I saw a, a different study talk about, they did it with cross country runners and doing cold exposure prior to that and an improved performance, um, which would kind of fly in the face of what most people think. Uh, but then the, then to your point, you have the interference effect. If, 
of that you may have if you're trying to have somebody you're trying to put some muscle on or something like that, uh, where that might not be the best thing. Um, but maybe the best thing for them, if they're in season, you're talking about a football team that's in August, you know, that might be the thing that keeps them fresh enough that they can come back to practice the next day. All right. So. Yeah. Um, it, it, or, or even when you have doubles, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's just like, uh, the post-workout sugar is the post-workout sugar mandatory. No, but if you have doubles, it's not a bad idea because you need to replace that lost glucogen, uh, glucogen, gl uh, glucose or glycogen. Yeah. So uh, kind of going in a different direction here. One of the things that, that I also, you know, appreciate about some of the stuff that you've written is you've been pretty open and frank and like really philosophically. And, and, and I, I do a lot of the same thing questioning, like how much impact are we really, really having with all these, you know, details in the training and, and how much of it is like, they always say a great doctor picks the right patients. Right. And <laughs> so, you know, you had a great post the other day talking about if that, if you did the same protocol you did with the one high school team, did it with another high school team, it doesn't necessarily mean that team's going to also win a state championship and also have, you know, a lack of injuries. Cause you know, I've had that situation where I've worked with some teams where we had the exact same program from one year to the next, but it didn't produce the same results necessarily on the field. Um, we'd like to have some consistency in our resiliency. We like to, and I know for, for some of the hands-on, the individual clients I've had, especially the older professional ones, there's a, the, that building awareness, that building resiliency, I think absolutely has an impact, but there is times we have to question like, is, is any of this stuff doing anything right? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, how much do we even know? I, I, I routinely question that. And I think, you know, I, I don't have too much of a social media presence because I'm not polarizing. I'm, I'm very, I'm very in the middle and I've had a lot of big time names retweet me. I've had over probably 15 million or, or 20 million worth of uh, followers come across my page that haven't fucking followed me, you know, like that's, <laughs> and, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm very uh, vanilla when it comes to my, my thoughts and ideas. I, I'm entitled to change my mind on stuff. I'm not married to anything except my wife. You know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not emotionally attached to any of my thoughts or, or protocols right now. It just seems like this is the best way to go about doing things for me and changing, changing my mind and, and, and being very, I, I don't know. I, when I first started, I would have told you how to get Usain Bolt faster. You know, I, I knew exactly what he had to do, but he's not squatting enough or Buddy's not benching enough. Charlie Francis had Ben Johnson benching 355 or 365 or 455 for a double right before uh, Seoul Korea, right? Like, and that was by accident. That's how strong max effort work got him and the sprinting work got him. So boom, we need to get Usain Bolt benching. Like now I don't have any answers. Um, <laughs> I, I trained Devin McCourty for a majority of his career. The first half of his career, he missed, I don't know, five games, you know, ankle injury, shoulder injury, whatever. Second half of his career, I think I had him for the last eight years of his career or seven years of his career. He didn't miss a single game. I had his brother as well, who's his identical twin. He didn't train with me as much. He had way more injuries. Is that because of me or is that because, you know, he, he played a lot more when he was in high school or he played a lot more when he was at Rutgers? Than, than Devin did. You know, Devin got that red shirt year. Jason didn't get that red shirt year. How much of that is really me? Can I really say that my program helped uh, Devin McCourty is proof that my program helped uh, 
that it actually works because his brother didn't see the same reduction in injury because he didn't train with me as much, right? I don't know. Like, I can't say that shit. You know, it's like, uh, what gets Brian, Brian Cushing stronger? That motherfucker could have put a helmet on his head, ran head first into a wall for 10 sets of 10 and still got bigger, stronger, faster. He's a freak, a freak of nature. So like, I, I, I take the approach of, let me keep this guy feeling good. I want him to feel good when he steps on the field or steps on the court and he can be the best him he can possibly be. And I'm going to stay the fuck out of his way. You know, it's how many guys make it in spite of their coaches. I have, I have a guy right now, you know, like I, I have a guy right now who, who just got paid a decent amount of money, like for him, a, a lot of money, uh, over 10, you know, tens of millions. And first he goes to a new team. First thing the coach says is, Hey, listen, you know, we got to widen that stance a little bit, or we got to do this to your stance or, you know, that to your, to your game. Guys never worked with him before. And all, all of a sudden he's making critiques to this guy's game. Like what, what are we talking about? You don't know why his stance is what it is. You don't know what got him to that place. You don't know what his hips are like. You don't know what his ankles are like. How do you know that he didn't break both ankles and that his stance is that in that position, because that's all his ankles will allow. Like, and you're going to make a blanket statement like that. You know, think about how many careers that guy has hindered by not accepting these people for who they are or like, hey, let's let's just let the world's best athlete in existence. Like you're in the NFL, you're the top 1%, you're the 0.1% of all athletes in the existence of the human fucking race. And I'm gonna tell you how to move? I don't know. I, I, how much do I really know? Let me Let me take some things that seem to be red flags from the sample size, the limited sample size that I have. Right. Like I'll take some of these things that just seem a little bit off. Let me make a little tweak. And if you like it, take it. If you don't, hey, do you, bro? If you get hurt, hey, I guess I told you so, but maybe you would have gotten hurt anyway. I don't know. And veterans like my approach. Rookies don't. High school kids, they like my approach because, you know, I curse at them and I, I make them laugh and then their parents trust me. You know, but when it when it comes to like the meat and potatoes of, of training, like guys that really, really, really want to get after it, they hate my approach because I admit that I don't know everything. Um, we, we had we had a and I have opinions about a lot of stuff. I mean, if you want to know the answers to religion and, and politics, you come to my fucking gym. We, we got the answers. And <laughs> and I mean, we talk about everything. You know, I mean, when when the whole the whole George Floyd thing went down, me and me and Devin McCourty were 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 having these discussions nonstop because that was that was during COVID and that was it was just me and him in the gym. You know, it was just me and him working out. We were talking for hours about stuff, hours and hours and hours. And I usually have a response to so many things. And we we talked about something political that happened the other day. And I looked at my my guy and I said, you know, I gotta be honest with you, I don't have the answer. I don't have the slightest clue what we're supposed to do. And he goes, Well, if you don't have the answer, who the fuck does? Like we're fucked. You know what I mean? So it's having not knowing things drives people nuts, but like that's the truth. Like who has who has the answer to any of this stuff? No one does. Like we we don't know for certain. We know we we understand through a specific lens of probability, and that probability is based on an interpretation of a specific fucking study. Like that's it. So to, so to say with certainty, we can't say anything with certainty other than I'm certain that this study had this probability. That's it. And one of the things I think we don't 
have a very good ability to do, and this is on a broader thing than just strength and conditioning, but strength and conditioning, it, it comes out is that we're, we're not, we're almost nervous to say we don't agree with something because we don't want to just say, oh, well, I have to agree. Like, it's okay if you and I talk shop and we don't agree on how we would go about it because we could both go about it and both get a result or we could both go about it and neither of us get a result because mm -hmm. to your point, we don't know. And so I don't have to agree with everything that, that you or Mike says for us to, to, to be on the same page. You know what I mean? That that's, that's crazy. You know, I, to, to your point, like people marry somebody thinking that this is going to be the one and, and half of those, they can't agree with the people. I'm going to agree with some, some random strength coach on Twitter. I never met like, that's so friggin' ridiculous and stupid that I have to agree with everything that everybody says is, is absurd. Yeah. It's, it's it might go ahead what were you gonna say no 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 no. go ahead uh, you can go ahead and answer man this is this is this is your i want to hear it so let's <laughs> do it no i was just gonna say it's it's really tough um i have i have some super super conservative stances on on training and i mean we we're just i literally was just uh tweeting about fucking depth jumps and how they shouldn't be done majority of the time majority of depth jumps I see on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, they suck. These people should not be doing depth jumps. What the hell are we doing? We're, we're causing, so if they're doing the depth jump like decently with decent form and not leaking energy, they're probably on the ground for too long. And if they're leaking form, they're up, or, up for risk of injury. That's 95% of all these videos that I see. So like, why are we doing depth jumps? So it's, it's for a specific demographic. Like it's, and I disagree with a ton of people all the time. I think I said to someone today, I said, I vehemently disagree. <laughs> oh, you throw, <laughs> you, you dropped the V word on them. Um, and, and, you know, this morning. So, so, you know, in, in kind of leading into the next question, um, you definitely have a, an artful way of kind of calling it like you see it and calling out people on their BS a little bit. Um, and so the question I have is, is like, Listen, we know that. So I've been a strength coach for 20 years. I know you guys have both been doing it for a long time. Like, what do you feel like is, is the, the, the trending BS in the, in the industry right now? Oh, I have no idea. I'm so removed. I, uh, <laughs> smart man, I, smart man. I dude, listen, uh, I have, I, I, I think I, it, and this might be controversial. I think I might be on the spectrum. Um, like when it, when it comes to like social awareness, I have I have virtually none, and I have I have very very little grace uh, when it when it, and and I'm super super blunt with stuff, um, and I just can't help myself. So it, as far as the artful way of calling people out, like I, it's, I am brutally honest, and I don't mean to be. Um, I, I and I just don't know how else to to say stuff. I mean, God knows I'll I'll, I'll be canceled at some point in my career. Yeah, but but at the same time, like I think there are a lot of people, and I'm seeing this more and more, that appreciate the straight ahead, like honesty approach. And like, why beat around the bush? Especially for like coaches, in my opinion, one of the things we should always try to do is get our athletes better. And uh, there's always something to learn from every single aspect of what we do. But um, no, I, it's you know it's interesting looking at the way you, you sort of you manage and see these things because um, it's just refreshing. It's actually refreshing, and I love. I love when people call it like they see it, man. I I think it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, but think about it like this: you have a guy that's running for president, not anyone specific. I'm not saying po political, but a guy runs for president, and you say, "Hey, what should we do about uh, this situation over here?" 
I'm not sure what the best answer is just yet, but you know, I'll let you guys know all the information as we go. Well, how about this situation over here? You know, right now <laughs> from this lens, it looks like this, but when I get deeper into it, I guess I'll know a little bit better. Like mm -hmm. no one likes those answers. You're right. People, people want answers. And I, I don't blame them. I'm not going to vote for a motherfucker that don't tell me what's up. So it's, I, it's, you know, how much information am I really giving? And I, I suppose I'm more of a consumer of information than I am a purveyor of the information, uh, just because of where I currently am on my timeline as a coach, uh, as you know, it's, I guess I'm still in the information gathering because my ability to process it and spit it out and feel good about it. Like I get anxious about tons of posts, about tons of tweets that I make about tons of podcasts that I do, because I think like, well, am I given the right information? Uh, am, am I presenting it in a way that's, that's able to be heard through the right channels? Uh, I, I hope I don't, I hope what I say is being heard the right way because majority of, of communication is based off of what the person hears, not what the motherfucker says, you know? So it doesn't matter what I say. If you don't hear it the right way, it's irrelevant. So it's, I, I, because I suck at all of that, it makes me like going back to the imposter syndrome. I feel, I feel brutal. I feel terrible about so many of the things, but as far as calling out, I don't necessarily think I intentionally call out. It comes from a place of curiosity. Uh, and it's like, I, I don't understand like these social norms, a lot of things that go on. This is like my, my wife telling me like there's just something wrong with me because I just don't understand like a lot of these social cues and a lot of things going on and I just keep asking questions like no no Mike you got to stop asking questions and I just keep digging deeper and deeper because to me things are like they things need to add up logically in order for me to understand it and to comprehend and be able to come up with the the right answer that's why the finance aspect of strength strength conditioning kind of like appealed to me or applying the finance aspect to strength conditioning appealed to me because Finance is a lot of logic. So I don't know. Does that answer? Does that, does that make any sense whatsoever? It makes a ton of sense. <laughs> so No, it does. I, I'm with you, man. I, I totally agree with everything you're saying for sure. So, you know, one of the, the, the cool gifts we've gotten out of doing this podcast now, 40 people in, is that talking to some of the, the leading minds in the industry, they all are saying really different things but they're all saying a lot of the same, like they're all just generally people that have that, that never ending curiosity that have that ability to, to, to always be able to think I could be better. Uh, they, they don't have that, that kind of ego to them. And so um, it, it's what really kind of sets them apart and what draws, you know, us to want to have a conversation with them. And so it's kind of, it's kind of a weird business, you know, you had a post the other day, a, a, you know, you talked about an article I had read about, uh, and Perry, I never shared this story with you. There's a guy who is, who is here, who's not far from, from Mike and I, who, oh. <laughs> this is how low the, the, the bar is set in our industry. He was stealing shit out of people's cars, but like he was, he was doing like this kind of boot camp CrossFit type of deal where he'd say, Hey, run to the top of the hill and then come <laughs> back. And when you ran to the top of the hill, he was rifling through your car, stealing all your shit. Like that's how low the bar has been set. Like, so if you, wow. if, if you like how much of the people who are really, really successful in the industry are truly gifted uh, and hardworking, or they just really are likable and they just are consistent and they're just not 
they just don't make do dumb shit like that. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's, I, I loved, I loved that post that made me comment that a guy had posted and I'm going to butcher it, but essentially said I was a journalist major. Um, and I passed the strength conditioning exam, the, the CSCS with the lowest possible score. I got a job with the Lakers only because I just kept emailing people and asking people for jobs until they hired me. Um, or maybe job in basketball. I forget what it was. And, yeah, and it was, I know exactly the post you're talking about. You're right. It, and he said, I didn't, I didn't work very hard at all. Um, I smoked lots of weed. I played lots of video games. I barely showed up to any conferences, like maybe one conference a year. I did a couple of CEUs and I kept getting promoted. And then people asked me, but like, how am I rising through this industry so fast? And then he finished with a quote from Dana White. And Dana White said, if you literally do anything, you're going to beat most people because they fucking do nothing. Right. And people were so upset by that, by that post, uh, like, in oh, this speaks volumes about the industry. What, what dog shit the industry this is. And I said, this is a really inspiring post to me. Like, all you have to do is your job and you're just going to do really, really well. Like, and, and I said, I, I don't happen to think that I do anything groundbreaking. Like I did a good job of skill, st skill stacking, right? So there's not many trainers. Uh, when people ask me what the difference between, you know, my gym and someone else's is, I, I, well, there's just no comparison because other gyms don't do what I do. So I, I, I'm probably the only trainer that does body work to the level that in this area anyway, that does body work to the level that I do and understands strength and conditioning to the level that I do. So like if someone else is 90% here and someone else is 90% here and I'm 90% of both, I'm in a category of my own. So it doesn't take much to be really, to, to, to succeed. And I thought that post was, was the perfect example of that. You show up, you do, I mean, one out of every, of every other person you meet has an IQ, IQ below 100. Right. Like that's it's it's it, so not everyone is a genius, but the, everyone is capable of doing something really, really well if they just show up and they do it for 10 fucking years and do it to the best of their ability every every single day for 10 years. And you're going to be you'll be an expert. It's that fucking easy. It's really that easy. So like show up, do the best you can do, which is all anyone can ask for anyway. And don't steal from fucking people. Like, don't, you know, and you're going to have a quasi successful gym. Like my gym does really well. And we don't do all that much to, you know, other than my body work, but my body work doesn't even sell. You know, it's not like anything that people like, Hey, go to Mike for body work. And, and I'm packed out just for body work. Like, no, like that's, that's, you know, another billable that I have, but like the meat and potatoes is training and they, they send their kids to us because we do a good job. They like us. They like our message. They like our training. They like our environment, whatever it is. Like, just do a good job. Don't steal. Don't do anything stupid and you'll be fine. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was super, a, a super inspiring quote. A who was the coach? Do you guys know who the coach was by the, by the, uh, by any chance? <clears throat> um, I can, I can probably try to find it. I was just yeah, curious. I, Cause I, I, I'm not on Twitter. So <clears throat> I, I got, I got to look. Yeah, I, I, it makes me think of the quote George Carlin used to say. He said, think about how stupid the average person is and realize half of the people are dumber than them. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just said that the other day. I said that the other day. It's, it, you know, but 
the the fact of the matter is as dumb as they are as dumb as people are because like again like i can't i can barely read i probably have a third grade reading level like i'm really fucking stupid like in in the traditional sense of intelligence like i'm not very smart and i'm working towards <laughs> my doctorate and i can barely read like when we were doing reading out loud stuff they'd come to me and they'd be like mike read this it's like nah i'm good like what do you mean bro i ain't reading shit go to the next person like this is this is this is an upper level education stuff like i'm no, I'm not doing it. I suck at reading. I ain't doing it. Ask me to add some stuff. I'll add it. I ain't reading nothing. So like, hey, if you just do the bare minimum, like Belichick always said, do your job, do your job. Like when, when Hogan was with the, the Patriots, the biggest thing that they said was do your job. Do your, if everyone just does their job, like it's, it's not good. Don't do less. Don't do more. Show up and do your job. You get promoted. I have a girl that works and that works out with us. And she works so, 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 so hard at working out. Like she crushes and she takes meetings from the sauna sometimes. Like she works from home and she's like, yeah, I really kind of half-ass work and I keep getting promoted. It's literally that easy. Because she does, she's like, I do my job, but like, I feel like I'm not doing enough and I keep getting promoted. That's how much everyone else sucks. That's actually how much they suck is as little work as you're doing, they're doing even less. So just do work and you'll be fucking fine. Oh, we, we could probably go all day on, on this tangent. And, and it's good to hear that uh, my gym's not the only gym that's solving all the world's problems during our sessions. <laughs> uh, so um, this has been awesome. But but before we wrap it up, Mike, tell us anything new and exciting you're working on uh, in 2023. What kind of projects you got going? Uh, so from a online standpoint, nothing. Not right now. Uh, nothing for any of the listeners or anything like that. If if anyone wants any information from me, either go to my newsletter or go to my Twitter. Um, I, I have most of my other stuff on private because I'm just not at that point in my career. I, I, because I'm, I'm, I'm really trying, right now I'm really, really trying to grow our program because I want to have coaches at my gym that make a living, a comfortable living, doing exactly what they want to do. So I'm focusing on growing my gym like the brick and mortar to to a place where all my coaches are very very well fed and very very happy doing exactly what they're doing so i'm i'm hyper focused on the business aspect of just my brick and mortar making my coaches better making my clients better um getting the business in and, and patching up all the holes there so you guys won't there you know I, I i do some tweet storms here and there but uh it's it's all just internal growth that no one will really know about and maybe in like two or three years then we'll have another podcast and we'll, we'll we'll talk about what i'm doing but right now it's it's really boring i'm i'm focusing i'm not good at multitasking so if i just focus all my energy on one thing you know but buddy buddy said once said you focus on one thing at a time you have an 85 percent success rate you try doing two things at once it immediately drops to 37 so like i'm not doing two things at once i'm focusing on my gym and you know i i half-assed social media for years so now i'm not even half-assing it it's like, you know, I'll tweet some stuff if I read something cool or I talk to someone and it's a good thought. It's like a, a little notepad for me um, for maybe later on to go back and reference to that I feel like sharing with people. But other than that, nothing, nothing really big, just just the business and and really focusing on on becoming an expert in the acupuncture aspect. Like I did. I did. I've been doing strength conditioning now 15 plus years. Acupuncture, I've been doing five ish. So now it's going to be another five years of really diving into acupuncture, finishing the doctorate, um, really, really learning about that. And then we'll figure out where, to, where it goes from there. But right now it's just 
you know, the one, the one thing. Awesome. Well, best of luck with all of it. And want to thank you again for your time. It's awesome catching up and seeing you again. And want to want to thank uh, everyone for your time and listening. And this has been the Principles of Performance podcast. Thank you for listening to the Principles of Performance podcast. If you've enjoyed our content, please like and share on your social media outlets, as well as subscribe and give us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your preferred platform is to listen to. For more information on the Principles of Program Design courses and workshops, visit us at www.principlesofprogramdesign.com and follow us on all of the social media channels where we post new content every day. To save 10% on any PPD courses, enter the discount code PRINCIPLESPODCAST10 at checkout. If you have any questions we can answer or suggestions for the show, you can email us at info at principlesofprogramdesign.com or message us on social media. Thank you again for your support.